You're listening to Halfway There, episode number 219. Tim Winders and Redefining Success. Let's do this. Welcome to Halfway There. This is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. I, of course, am your host, Eric Nevins. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm honored every single time I see that somebody has downloaded the show, and I'm excited because I know that uh, if you get the right one, you're going to in not only enjoy it, but also be encouraged to keep walking with the Lord and and look for him. Maybe, maybe look for him a little more in your own life. That's what I'm after. Uh, If you haven't had a chance and you like the show, I'd love to have your support on Patreon. You can go uh, just to halfway there podcast.com and click the link for that, or just patreon.com slash halfway there and do that as well. Very minimally you get access to uh, episodes early or, or you can always get a little bit more. You can get a, a free halfway there t-shirt like the one I'm wearing today. Uh, it would be very, uh, very cool to have you supporting that as well. I went to a um, friend's house the other day and he's a supporter and he was wearing his halfway there shirt. It was cool to see it in the wild. So I'd love to have send you one of those. That'd be great. Uh, today we have a great guest. He's become a one of my podcasting friends and I just love what he's doing in the uh, business space. He's a performance coach to executive teams and entrepreneurial leaders. He's also an author and he has his own podcast called Seek, Go, Create. Um, and he does this cool thing. He lives with his wife, Glory, in a 39-foot RV, which is pretty cool. He's got a name. He calls it Theo. So I bet there's a story there too. We'll talk about that. Our guest is Tim Winders. Tim, welcome to Halfway There. Hey, Eric. Great to be here. Thank you for the invite. I am so glad to have you here. And uh, like I said, we've been become podcast friends. And so uh, I love to promote my friends on on the show and just hear their story and get to know more about them. So thank you. Tell us a little more about what you're doing and kind of who Tim Winders is. Right now or in the past? How about now? And then we'll back up if we need to. <laughs> there you go. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I am. Uh, you know, I call myself a coach. And we can kind of discuss that a little bit more, Eric. But uh I'm married. I've been married for over 30 years. I am uh, a father to uh, to Dulcie and Joshua, and now I'm a grandfather, which is super, super cool. It might be one of the coolest things ever. That's awesome. Is uh, I'm a grandfather and game changer just for all of those out there. I know I look extremely young for those that might see me, but that's just kind of what the Holy Spirit does for you. It just kind of <laughs> keeps you living, living the good life, living young. But, um, you know, I coach and uh, just finished a, a novel, at which I'm enjoying uh, doing that process, and I'm enjoying being a podcast host. So that's kind of how we got connected, which yeah. that was really, really cool, too. I love it. Well, very good. I'm sure that there's a story about all of those things that uh, that came out. And so, I, you know, we'd love to hear stories. That's what we're all about. Um, I believe, I, I probably don't need to say this, but every once in a while, I feel like I do. I believe that the power is often in our testimony and the story, right? We just got to tell the story and sometimes it doesn't have to be the principle or the rule that we get so hung up on that I was taught in school. It's the story that really drives it home. So I'd love to hear some stories from you. And uh, I know you're great at telling those. So where did you, let's start with just kind of your growing up years. Like where'd you grow up? I know you're in Georgia. You're in Georgia now. Like did you grow up in Georgia? 
I actually did. I was I was born uh, in Atlanta Metro, and uh, kind of cool sidebar. I came home from the hospital. This is everyone's going to know kind of an age here. I came home from the hospital after birth on the day that JFK was shot. And oh wow! Okay. So 1963, November-ish, wow. I won't give my exact birthday, but people can <laughs> look that up if they really want to. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and I grew up, uh, you know, just kind of small town, suburbs of Atlanta. Uh, parents were educators. And, uh, and so I, I grew up there just kind of a so-so average, I would say, uh, growing up. And uh, as, as I got older, I realized I was going to, was kind of wanting to really be successful. That was kind of a, mm. a driving force. This would have been late 70s, early 80s. And so, Eric, one of the things that I've thought back on quite a bit uh, recently because of just some things we've been through, and I think self-awareness is a powerful learning tool, is I've thought back on some of the foundational principles and I realized that I was going to be successful. And for me, that was defined by financial. It was defined by uh, possibly recognition, position, some very, you know, we could say it here, worldly things, but that was my definition. That was my, that was my worldview at the time. And uh, so really interesting story. I was going, I was considering being a coach because both my parents were educators, a coach and maybe an athletic coach in that high school arena. And then like one day I, re I recall this vividly, I actually found out how much my parents made. And I was appalled that we were poor. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I, listen, I want to say to all the teachers out there, incredibly underpaid, they should be paid a great deal more. But for me, it was a real shift. And I said, huh, I'm not going to be able to do and achieve and, you know, succeed to the levels I want to at that financial level. So at, at that time, early 80s, I was finishing up high school. I looked at U.S. News and World Report, top five most in-demand positions, and four out of the five were engineers. I lived just down the road from Georgia Tech, one of the best engineering schools around, Yeah, um, if not the best, depending on who you talk to. And so, so I ended up going to Georgia Tech and becoming an engineer. That literally was the decision-making process. And many people listening to this will probably be in similar situations where they made decisions probably maybe not based on, you know, their skill sets, not based on, on what they were, what yeah. they were really good at, what they were supposed to do. It was a decision like, huh, that's what I should do. And so that's what I did. There you go. Okay. Uh, so you're from Georgia. Do you like bold peanuts? You know, no. <laughs> I do not like bold peanuts. I had a conversation. I'm not really even of a Dahlia onion fan. I'm not really even a peach. Really? I'm trying to think of anything Georgia that I'm not even really a humidity fan. Oh my goodness. It's so bad. Like you were in Colorado for parts of this year, right? It's so different because we, we've been migrating, you know, we've been nomading all around and we spent a lot of time out West and, you know, not far from where you are in Colorado. And we came back east, uh, you know, during the summer, which is everyone should go to the south during <laughs> June, July, and August. No. And, uh, you know, I've just been in a perpetual sweat. I have lost some weight just uh, for anyone that might be interested in that. There's an advantage. That's that's how you got to get all that fat out of you, right? The 
the, from the Southern excess. cooking. Yeah, the, the excess. excess. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Okay, well, cool. Uh, that's one thing I love about Georgia is, or the South is it, it's a very different, uh, it's a culinary wonderland, right? It's just, it's just interesting. Anyway, okay. So I always have to ask about that. Uh, okay. So it sounds like you made some, some decisions based on, you, you had an idea of where you wanted to go, right? You, you knew what, what you wanted to do or as far as successful, like you wanted to be successful. In my limited experience in life yeah. up to that point, I was very focused on the success that I was looking for. There you go. So what was the spiritual climate like in your house? You know, I think my parents would say that we were good people. We popped in and out of church sporadically. There was a little local Baptist church that they consider themselves probably members of, but I did not see and, and listen, you know, our parents are, are good people. They're, yeah. I didn't see them do anything that was of ill repute or anything like that. I mean, my parents were together. However, you know, we didn't have Bibles sitting around. We didn't have a lot of uh, spiritual depth or anything. And, you know, interestingly enough, this is kind of interesting. I can share this with you. I think it goes back. I spent some time with my grandparents uh, after I was married and before they passed, my dad's parents. And I kind of found out a little bit, they had an assembly of God, real uh, Pentecostal, holy roller-ish type. And they grew up in Northeast Mississippi. And this is kind of a cool story. I don't think I've ever told this to anyone. So nice. this is the first. My father grew up there in the early 50s and he was interested in music. And in about 1953, 54, he stumbled on a fairground where there was a musician that was playing by the name of Elvis. Oh, wow. And he came home and he wanted to play music like that. And Elvis has a background, his parents and all in the assembly of God also. And so my grandparents knew Elvis's parents. They knew of him and Elvis was not, of high caliber and his family was not necessarily well thought of in church circles. They were around church circles. And I think Elvis had a spiritual component to him, Yeah, but uh, they pretty much put their foot down and told my father, no, you're not going to play that whatever, whatever music. Uh -huh. And truthfully, this is just my assessment. I don't believe my father will listen to this. And if he did, he, his cognitive right now wouldn't, uh, wouldn't understand it. But uh, I believe that his heart at that time was very hardened toward the church. And, uh, and I believe that that was a, a real, um, that had a bearing on the household that we grew up in. Not mm -hmm. anti, but not pro, just somewhat indifferent. Yeah. Okay. So that's interesting. So that sounds like maybe it, it, cut off his dream. And so then he was like, yeah, okay, maybe that's not going to be a place I'm going to invest in. And, uh, that then has effects, cascading effects down to you. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so, so that was really the home we, we grew up in and not a lot of, not a lot of spiritual. However, later I did find out that I had grandparents that were praying for all of us. Oh man. And, uh, and I had no doubt that God's hand was, on my life in various ways. That's always huge, right? 
That's, that's really yeah. huge. It was interesting for Mother's Day this year, I interviewed both of my living grandmothers, which was really cool to hear that kind of spiritual heritage. Um, and one was a little more Pentecostal and the other was uh, more just like Methodist, sort of like, okay, we're just really... <laughs> We're, we're good people. That's what we do. You know, I was like, Oh, good. That's good. Uh, it's just interesting to kind of see that, that history, the way it informs how you're there, right? How you, how you exist, why, why you had the experiences you did. So, okay. Where did you run into, or where did you find faith then? If it wasn't kind of in your home, where, how did, how did you find Christ? Well, as I, uh, as I went along, uh, and got my degree, started working corporate. I actually started my first business when I was at Georgia Tech, and it did pretty well. I, I, I sold it. It wasn't like a big exit or anything like that, but we sold it. And I met uh, the incredible young lady that's now my wife during that time. And, uh, and I, I remember us having this conversation. We, were, we dated for a year, then we were engaged for two years. And, and then we got married in the late 80s. And one of the things that happened, Eric, was during the engagement time, we did have this conversation about our faith and beliefs. She had a, her father was a minister, and she's kind of one of these that probably had a relationship with the father, like shortly after birth, if that makes sense. <laughs> yep. You know what I mean? Like someone who's a toddler and like, playing out in the mud is what she was doing. And she, you know, her parents would ask her what she's doing. She goes, I'm making a man. I'm taking a man from dirt and making a man, you know, the Genesis story of forming a man out of the uh-huh. breath and breathing into it. So, so anyway, she had quite that foundation and, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, fortunate for me, when we met Eric, she wasn't as into her faith walk, but it was still there. It was a foundation because I think that gave her a lot of grace with me. She probably could see a lot of my flaws and all with what, all that I was doing. I was quite the salesperson. I married way up the food chain like most men do. Uh, you know, she was not like one notch above like most of us do. She was three or four notches above. <laughs> I, was, I was a Georgia Tech student. She was a Miss University of Georgia, uh, you know, kind of a, that kind of thing. There so. you go. Wow. So anyway, Eric, but, uh, but we got married. Actually, the, the story I was telling is that we had a conversation on the phone late one night, and she asked me if I was a Christian. I was, I think, in one of these philosophy classes at Georgia Tech at the time, and I was like, going, well, you know, I don't really know a lot of that stuff. If I can't see it, I'm not sure I believe it. And so anyway, I, I'll, long story short here, I mean, I had, to, I had to backpedal, had to get in my car, drive 30 minutes beg, you know, say, no, 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 I don't think I knew what I was talking about and all that. Anyway, I, anyway, I, I didn't have a relationship at the time. So, so, so anyway, that was leading up to my marriage. Uh-huh. Early on in marriage, I was considering running for political office. And so I started going back to that first Baptist church. And I will tell you, and this, some people are, are maybe not going to want to listen to the rest of this right here. Okay. I will tell you that I was going to church for purely show and political reasons. And uh, because it was the place to go if you were going to run for political office at that time. Wow. So, how about that? Did you, so you're, you're finding out things that I haven't shared with anyone. Excellent. That's my job, Tim. That's, that's what I do. <laughs> 
Well, that's fascinating. Okay, so you went to church to because that's if you're a politician, you've got to at least look like you care, right? So okay, you clean up. You got to clean up. You got to you know look good and uh, and and go to church every Sunday, right? Check the box. Yeah. All right. So you did that. What? So how did it actually become yours? Uh, well, a year or two after we were married, we were expecting our first child, our older, you know, our oldest. It's our daughter. And my wife was writing in a prayer journal, Eric, and she wrote down, she had a business at the time. I was working corporate. She wrote down in that journal, we still have it, that she was seeking after the Lord for something that would make, uh, that would make Christ the center of our marriage, that would make me the spiritual head of our home, and something that would give us some extra finances so she could stay home with our first child and not have to go work and, you know, be a mom, which the math wasn't, wasn't working well at that time. And so Eric, about two weeks ish later, we were at a mall on the Northeast side of Atlanta metro area where we lived at the time. And there was a guy that walked up to me and said, Hey, don't I know you from somewhere? And this was kind of my attitude. I'm like going, no, I never forget a face. (laughs) which is true, by the way. I never forget a face and we've never met. He goes, no, I think we know each other. And he was very persistent. So what happened, Eric, was I get a call a few weeks later and he says, hey, listen, you know, we met at the mall and all that kind of stuff. And I was wondering, do you ever keep your eyes open for ways of making money outside of what you're doing? I said, that's the stupidest question I've ever heard. I said, if anyone doesn't, I don't, you know, but. (laughs) Of course I do, right. (laughs) Yeah, of course I do. But I'm really looking for something for my wife to do because I was being the hero of my house, you know. I'm looking for something for my wife to do so she could stay home with power, (laughs) you know. And so, so Eric, we actually got involved with with the Amway business. Uh, This was early 90s. And I said, wow, okay, here's a way to make some money. And listen, I know a lot of people have various thoughts about, you know, multi-level network marketing, Amway business, whatever. That's fine. Six months later, I was at a major conference. They had about 20 something thousand people there. They did some teaching, training, motivation, cult stuff, whatever you want to call it (laughs) for a couple of days. Yeah. And on Sunday morning, the, you know, one of the main speakers, they said they're going to have a non-denominational church service. They'd invite everyone to be there so you can get an, so you can get a good seat for the Sunday afternoon session. A little bit of manipulation there, but I was down there and uh, guy spoke towards the end of it said, you know, he said, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your savior, you need to get down here on the floor and you need to meet Jesus Christ. And my, soft, my, my heart had been softening up to that point. It wasn't as dramatic as maybe that sounded because, you know, when you're going through some things where you're trying to make the math work in a household and you know, your wife's praying for things and you're maybe not doing some things you need to do as the head of the household. And so, so I went down, I went down on the floor with about six, 7,000 other people that accepted Christ that morning. Wow. And that was, to me, that was the, the time that I accepted. Now, of course, to me, I believe it's a process and I think we're working out, you know, working that out. And I think it continues building over time, but that, is uh, the time that I met my Savior, Jesus Christ. And now for almost 30 years, I've been attempting to develop that relationship more and more. Yeah, Uh, which is fascinating, right? So it just goes to prove what I often say, that uh, the Lord absolutely can use anything, right? 
<laughs> right? You never know. Absolutely. You just... Anyone, because listen, to be real blunt, I was not probably going to answer an altar call in a church. In all likelihood, I don't know. I mean, maybe yeah. so, you know, we can't say that, but that was not an arena that, I don't know if I should say it didn't impress me. That's not the right way of saying it. That's kind of harsh. Maybe you, maybe you kind of get that, but yeah. I didn't really see people there that I wanted to model myself after. That might be a better way of saying it. And, and maybe I wasn't in the right place. Okay. So I have yeah. to admit that. Which is totally normal too. I mean, that, that happens right to all of us at some point. So interesting. So it was the Amway conference though. So were, were those people more like people you respected? You know, what, what it was is there were people up on those stages that were showing off the bright, shiny objects. And then they were talking about their faith uh-huh. as opposed to people talking about their faith and then showing, I'll, I'll be a, a little bit more exaggerative, showing how they lived in a mobile home, <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> uh, and, and that's, I know, you know, kind of interesting way of saying it. Yeah. But, uh, so, so maybe their success was what helped lead me, but it got my attention might be the best way of yeah, saying yeah. it. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I, I, I knew many of them personally, knew a little bit about their personal lives and I'll just say I was impressed with it. That would be one way of saying yeah. it. I'm not saying it's good or bad. I just was. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Don't have to make any kind of uh, judgment on it. Well, I love that. So where did that lead you? Like, how did you then start to develop in discipleship? Were there, were there people who invested in you or were there like, what, what, what did that look like for you? Well, so the interesting thing about that, that's very important. My, my thought process was not get saved, go to church. My thought process was get saved in business. Right. <laughs> and so, so I was going to expand this business because it could expand the kingdom. You know, I mean, it was, that was kind of my paradigm there. So, so I, I have, and I've actually put a lot of thought into this recently also. It is one of the reasons why I've really never been since that time go to church, check the box, mm-hmm. you know, and then leave my faith there. My faith has kind of been 24-7 all around. And so, Eric, that's, that's kind of an important distinction. Now, a couple of things that I think was a little bit unhealthy for me at the time, because I was still so material-driven, success-driven, uh, you know, driven by what we could achieve and accomplish, I went into what was at that time more of a prosperity gospel, mm. full gospel uh, church environment. Yeah. And, and, and listen, I say this all the time. There are great things about movements. Most movements, we can't say that about all, but most movements, there are good things about them. And then there's probably bad things. Uh, you know, the good thing about that is there's positive attitude. You know, they're, they're right. You know, they, they typically dress well in the prosperity gospel movement, even if they're on, you know, they're doing it on, uh, on credit, but, um, anyway, <laughs> and so, uh, and so, you know, they're always stretching the, the cars they, they drive and things like that. But, but what it did was it really poured gasoline on that, uh, that fire that burned in me for success. So I had this spiritual growth that was linked to my, my faith 
and also linked to my business success. So all of those, while it was a good thing that I didn't separate it out, it also was a bit of a challenge. So most of the 90s, that's really what I was involved with. Mm. And, and the thing that it does is it actually, unfortunately, links, I'll just use this term, it links the blessing of the Lord with our bank account. Yeah, It right. kind of makes many of us attached. And there's probably people listening that they may be in that. I think, I think the Americanized First World Church we actually do that more than most would care to admit. Yes, that's 100% true. Uh, we, it's, it's so easy to think that if somebody looks successful on the externals, that they are blessed by God, right? Or that there is something there. And that was the same mistake the Pharisees made all the time. We just, uh, this week at church, we studied the, um, the beggar who in John, I can't remember, nine maybe, where we never even learned his name, right? He was just blind and he was begging and Jesus goes up to him and, and heals him. And the, but the disciples asked like, well, who was, why, why did this happen? Right. Why was his parents sin? Did he sin? What happened? And Jesus like, no, it's just the glory of God. Right. And so it's just for what God wants, but that connection, like that was, it was even it's so old. It's just the thing that we just see people who are successful with material things. And we feel like, oh, they must be successful with God. God likes them. And it couldn't, nothing could be further from the truth, but that's exactly how it, how it seems. So for you, here's what I'm hearing. You are like, I can see, like when you said that you went more towards a prosperity gospel, that almost seems to me like a duh, right? For you. Cause it sounds like from some of the things you said were like, I was attracted to success. I knew what I wanted. And then I found Christ and this would probably match up pretty good for you. So it was probably a good place um, or a natural place for you to kind of move, move into Okay. So how did that, how would you say that shaped you? And was it, was there anything like, what were the positives and maybe what were the, the negatives there? Well, I think the positives are with anything when we are attempting to have a relationship with the father, a deeper relationship, when we are, are studying the word of God in some way, I think that's always a positive. And listen, there's a lot of great people I interacted with. There was uh, a, a lot of things that I learned during that time. It, it really probably was the only way, boy, this is going to really sound bad about myself. <laughs> it was probably the only way that I was going to dive in and study the word was if I thought there would be some degree of result with it and a tangible result. Yeah. And that sounds really bad coming out of my mouth, but I hope maybe my heart comes through with it. <laughs> well, I no, I, I know what you mean. I understand both sides of that, but I think here's the cool thing about the Lord, right? He'll use what he needs to use. I think that's kind of what we've been talking about. Like, so even for you, for him to go, okay, I can, we, we can, I can lead you through this and then lead you into more of a relationship. I'm actually kind of blown away by that. I think that's, that's really beautiful. Yeah. And so, so that would be the positive is that I was digging, man. I was, I was, I was doing stuff. I was reading the word, you know, I was reading it cover to cover, you know, about once a year, I was digging into certain verses. Now I will tell you in that movement in prosperity gospel, there are some verses that are emphasized more than others. Yes. In in many (laughs) movements. 
I've never been really, really good at scriptural memorization, but there's some verses from that time that I got them down. I, beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in good health. You know, now later I just found out that was just a salutation. That was just a greeting to the beginning of a letter, but boy, we were building a, a doctrine around it. Right, right. <laughs> so, so that was the positives. Eric, the negatives, I, I don't know that I recognize these until probably about the late, the late aughts, the late 2000s when we went through some business issues. What it created was this uh, spiritual optimism that was something to the effect of because I am a child of God, because I am his, because I am seeking after him, because I'm reading his word, because I'm, mm. you know, I was never really one of these that I need to check the box by going to church every week, but maybe that was part of it. Because of all that, even if there's a downturn in the economy and we've got three companies that are seven figures plus, it's going to turn around because God takes care of me. He's going to take care of me and we're going to miraculously have a, I'll use words that, I, that kind of annoy me now. There's going to be a wealth <laughs> transfer and the, you know, there's going to be all these things that are going to occur and all of a sudden everything's going to be okay and we'll be back on track. Yeah. Yeah, right. There's a, yeah, that optimism is very interesting, right? I think all you have to do is read the prophets, specifically the minor prophets, right? To go, oh, maybe this isn't how it always works out for God's people, right? I love Habakkuk. I wrote a little thing on Habakkuk. It's on my website, but because I, I think we see his relationship with God there, but that he's just furious at what he sees going on and, uh, and why righteous people are not, um, are not, you know, prospering the way that he thinks they should. So, yeah, I don't think it's that far. I don't think you have to go that far to have a different view. Uh, but it it is uh, it is a thing that people people wrestle with. So fascinating. Okay, so I want to let's let's jump forward to that time because I'm guessing when you kind of lost things, like that was probably formative for you in a great many ways. So. Tell us that story. Well, one of the things that had happened up until 2008, just to fill in a gap yeah. or two for the listener, we started some companies in 2000, right around 2000, 2001, that were all real estate related. And, and not to go into the details of all of that, but we, we had three companies by the time 2008 rolled along that we had over 100 pieces of single family homes and land and mm. We were doing a development uh, on paper at that time that was valued at over $15 million. We had a nationwide coaching business. We had a nationwide lead generation business, all of it in real estate, which sounds really, really cool, <laughs> except for anyone who's over the age of 20 right now, or even 12 yeah. would say, wait, what happened in 2008? Well, we had the, whatever they call it now, the great recession downturn, whatever it was. Anyway, so... So at the time, we were living in a very nice development. I thought that I had retired roughly at the age of 43, 45, something like that. And, uh, and, the, and that the Lord just had parted the heavens and was shining his light down on us. And, uh, and so, so that's where we were. And everyone knows what happened during that time. We did not lose everything all at once. 
unfortunately, it was more of a slow quicksand or a slow crawl. By 2013, my, my wife and I were not in that large home in country club development. We were living in a Honda van. We, wow. we don't like to use the term homeless. We use the term nomad. It just sounds better. We like <laughs> to think that's Abraham and Sarah. Yeah. And so essentially since 2013, we have been homeless nomads. Now I will say this to give people a little glimpse of the current story. We have more financial provision now, you know, real estate's more of an asset. It's not liquid. We have more now than we had uh, way back when, but we still are homeless nomads and don't have a home and we just live in an RV and travel. Yeah. Okay. So that is almost like a direct attack against any kind of prosperity gospel that you had, right? Like, did I backlash? Did a pendulum swing? Did I, did I, <laughs> what happened? Yeah. What was your feeling? Like, where was God for you and all that? And how did you process it with him? Well, Eric, the, to me, our journey that we all should have is deeper intimacy with the father. And, and every one of us has a different path. I mean, I, you know, I could, I could sit here and say, Eric, you know, I love, we use the word disciple quite a bit in church world. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to disciple you. I want you to read this, do this, do this. Well, right. to me, I believe when we claim that we are followers, I think we begin the discipleship path right away. That doesn't mean we can't be discipled by people, but I think the Holy Spirit and all is going to start discipling us. 100%. So, so so what happened was I probably started this process way back in the early nineties. And when this downturn occurred, the Lord says, ah, I've got an opportunity here. Let me disciple Tim. (laughs) And so the relationship with the Lord was this was any day now I thought, and, and I've got a prayer journal that's actually hilarious in some ways to look back on, you know, when you're going through financial challenges, Every week is a deadline. And, you know, when you've got house payments, we, we have all, we had all kind of creditors. We started borrowing money on credit lines to pay mortgages. Oh, we were doing all kinds of ugly stuff, thinking that any day it was going to turn around. Yeah. And Eric, I mean, I've got like so many journals. It's like, Lord, if by this Friday, we don't have a breakthrough, which breakthrough is another one of those words that I get a little bit irritated by now. <laughs> we don't have a breakthrough. We're done. Two weeks later. Going, Lord. <laughs> so, so there was a lot of begging. There was a lot of crying out. There was a lot of just whining, probably. Why me, Lord? Why me, Lord? And probably <laughs> both of us. But one of the things that Glory and I were doing, my wife's name's Glory, as we got to the point where I felt as if I could not do anything on my own power, we would sit for hours at a time in this house big house, 6,000 square foot house. And we would spend quiet time with the Lord and we would just bounce ideas off each other. And we'd read a scripture and talk about it. And we would attempt to make sense of whatever was going on. And it was part of our growth. It was part of what Mm. we did. We would do it sometimes four or five, six hours a day. And we would spend time in prayer. Again, it, it was probably a lot of whining and begging but still whining and begging is better than running and hiding. Wow. I don't, maybe it is. Maybe it, I don't know. No, I agree. Let's, That's great. Let's don't build a church on that theology, but that actually did sound pretty good coming out. <laughs> um, 
So, so running and begging is better than, no, uh, yeah, whining yeah. and begging is better than running and hiding. So, um, so we were doing that and we did that in 09, 10, 11, 12, 13. And we got to a point where we said, okay, we can't hold on to anything. We lost the house to foreclosure. We've gone through personal bankruptcy. We had next to nothing in our bank account. No money coming in at all. And I'm the guy that's always kind of prided myself. And I use that word intentionally. Yeah. Prided myself on being able to monetize almost any situation. And, you know, a lot of things I had, I couldn't even get a job at McDonald's. I tried. I couldn't. Wow. Uh, could, couldn't get the application to go through online. And I'm a fairly tech savvy guy. And so we were at what I would say was the bottom. Okay. So yeah, it sounds like you were, that was just, yeah. So if you lose your house, right. It sounds like you guys were living in the, living in the van. I, I, I'm trying so hard not to river. do my Chris Farley right now. You you saw it coming too. And uh, I am a motivational, I'm a motivational speaker. <laughs> I love that. So, okay. You're there and like, you're going, okay, God, what is going on? What did you do? We, we embarked on the most incredible journey that almost anyone can go on. Eric, we did not know where to go initially. And we said, Lord, where would you have us to go? We felt all along that Lord was speaking to us. He says, you know, we were just saying, Lord, just use us. That was part of our begging and whining. We just want to be used by you. And we felt as if his message to us, and I want to be cautious in saying that, Eric, because sometimes people will think yeah. this is, a general message, but we felt as if his message to us, and especially knowing my background, we've already talked about, I think that's important. His message to us was, I can't send you where I want to send you with this big old house and all this stuff. And so there was this stripping away of material things. Now, here's what I believe in thinking back on it. Had my idol been alcohol, then I would have had to stay away from bars and liquor. Had my idol been women or pornography, I would have had to been stripped away of any semblance of getting around those things, whatever. I actually just had an idol that is okay in society. Yeah. My idol was pursuing success. Wow. Okay, so God, God stripped it away for you. He stripped it away, and the only thing we knew to do was just take it day by day. And we are extreme planners, extremely organized people. So we went through a few phases. The first phase we call was the manna phase. The next phase was the miracle phase. And then later we stepped into what we call the blessing phase. And the first thing we needed to do, Eric, was we went and visited family for a brief period of time. And we had some family helping us a little bit. They didn't really have the, the ability to help us a great deal. But we visited my parents, visited her, her mom briefly. And the only thing we knew, and you'll get a kick out of this with where you are, was we had some friends we had done some business with back in our old real estate days that lived up in uh, Woodland Park, Colorado. Yeah. And so... Uh, so we said, you know what? We need to go visit our friends, Pete and Karen. And we called them up and they said, sure. And one of the things I had done during this time was I had isolated myself, which is not a good thing. That's really a, 
something that I know I did wrong. And, and I've looked back on it. I think it was because I, I was dealing with shame and yeah. listen, when significance and recognition is important for you and it's an idol, when all of a sudden you're stripped away of whatever finances, your role, your businesses, whatever, there's, there's a good bit of shame that comes with it. And I probably was dealing with that. So yeah, well, anyway, so we vis- when visited Pete and Karen, that was the only instruction that we had from the Lord. Wow. Yeah. So even if your um, idea of success is related to your relationship with God, right. And you lose success, then, you know, there's some shame there too. So uh, interesting. So, okay. So you, you start to, uh, you said there were several phases, um, but it sounds like you were able to, to build it up. You eventually became a coach. How, how'd that, uh, how'd that come about? Well, I've actually been a coach. I think I shared earlier that I wanted to be a, you know, a teacher and a coach or, mm. you know, a coach, you know, since I was a kid and even in my corporate world, even when you're in a multi-level marketing business, like Amway, even in real estate, I was always, I would always gravitate towards coaching training, yeah. teaching coaching training. It always, it was just in my genes. I mean, both my parents were educators, Eric. So, and, and the way I say it is I, I think that one of my giftings, I believe, is just this ability to reach down inside an individual or an organization and pull out what God has planted there from the beginning and bring it to fruition or bring it to manifestation. So, so now when you're feeling guilt and shame, you don't really feel worthy to mm. speak into someone's life necessarily. And so kind of the way it transpired, we were traveling nomads, kind of the man of miracle phase. All of a sudden we started house sitting. We literally, I want to make sure I'm clear when I say this, we literally were living in houses that we didn't build, that we didn't stock the refrigerators, we didn't pay the electric bills, we didn't pay the mortgages on, and and they were in some very nice places around the world. Wow. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound scriptural at all? <laughs> yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah, and so we kind of, you know, maybe I'm connecting too many dots there, but no, that's good. But you know, we were we we were homeless, we were nomads, and and I started realizing there was this thing called house sitting, and and we did that, and we actually still do that. We still have people call us. We did it on the South Island New Zealand. We did it all over Australia. We did it. Uh, we did it in you know Tahoe. We did how, it in Fort Lauderdale. How do you get into that? Because I I need. <laughs> Well, I think the short answer is God, but yeah. the longer answer is there's actually websites that match you up just like anything else in today's world. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Of course. Cool. Okay. So were you feeling like, did that kind of, you know, obviously, so now you're, ma- you're making a, a living, right? So you're you're kind of getting back on your feet, but did that actually, feel Actually, no, of- we weren't. We were traveling around, still manna. We would get dropped a few dollars. Okay. Uh, uh, my wife had written some books years ago that we would have a hundred bucks deposited in, you know, from Amazon that would come in. I would get maybe one little, somebody would ask if I could help with things. And so that's really kind of the way it progressed. We did end up kind of landing back in Colorado and went to Bible school. And kind of about that time, it was almost as if, I don't even know if I could say I was humbled. I don't even know, if the right, I don't even know what the right term is. But let's just say maybe the Lord has made, the Lord had made his point. Yeah. <laughs> saying, and all of a sudden he says, okay, I think they can handle some provision. And I use the word provision quite a bit 
because I, I like the word provision and I like the word assignment. And when someone is moving towards the assignment that they have in the kingdom, this is just some long study that I've done and, and it speaks to me. It may not speak to others, but when someone is stepping into or, or working to step into the assignment that the Lord has for them in the kingdom, then it appears as if in my situation that the provision to achieve that assignment comes from places and things like that. So I started getting calls from people I'd known for 10, 15 years saying, hey, Tim, listen, we've got this company we're trying to grow it. Could you help us? We've got a marketing plan. We need some help. We've, we're trying to, we got this startup and we could really use a guy with your skills just to be a part of it. And like in 2015, the first three months I looked at our tax return and we had made $17 January, February, and March. Wow. We went to this Bible school, decided we were going to go up in Colorado. And by the end of that year, Eric, we had had financial provision that had come from 12 different sources, clients, different businesses. Glory started doing some work for a Silicon Valley company that was a real blessing. And so it started just, the wealth transfer started. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you took a dodge. Wait, that was a left turn. Sorry, sorry. I just had a little bit. I went back to my, my roots there for just a brief moment. <laughs> but you started rebuilding. <laughs> you know, restoration might be a better yeah. word. Yeah, there you go. Restored. And what was interesting is I kept a real close eye on as a lot of money started flowing back into us. Mm-hmm. And instead of increasing our lifestyle like we had done in the past, every time it came in, we played this game of living off less. And we, we truly do live off of a small percentage of all that comes in. And we implemented what we've kind of termed the storehouse principle in the way we handle our, our, our finances and the money that comes in. And so, so anyways, but that kind of brings us up. There's a lot of gaps in there, but I think that kind of brings, brings us up to where I am now, which is living in an RV, not by a river, but maybe close. <laughs> maybe close, right. And so you can travel around and, and conduct your business just from, from the RV. How did you name the RV Theo? You know, Theo is, is another word for Theopolis or it's, yeah. God. it's God. And we just wanted to acknowledge that we travel with and for God in all that we do. And so we name our RV Theo. There's one other little sidebar story. When we were in Brisbane, Australia, had zero money in our account, but we were going to do a house sitting on the South Island of New Zealand. We were flying from Brisbane to Auckland, uh, New Zealand. And uh, I was sitting by someone on a plane and I looked over, started talking to him and we just got to talking and, uh, and we started saying that, yeah, we're just traveling around and we're going to be going to the South Island and we've heard it's cold that time of year. And, uh, and he said, he looked at me and says, I've got a coat for you. And he lived on the South Island in Picton. So I thought that we would pick up the coat then. I said, oh, thank you. We'll make sure we stop by and visit you. He goes, no. And he pointed up. It was in the bin right up above the uh in the airplane and uh and his name is theo ah. and that was a real acknowledgement for us of the lord just blessing us at the perfect time the right time and just 
because we were going to New Zealand in winter and we didn't have a coat. We'd been in Australia and it was warm there. And yeah. we were traveling with just a few items and we knew we were going to have to get it. We really didn't have the resources to get anything like that. Yeah. So God provided and uh, okay. So it's God's provision. Yeah. So that's really where we live in uh, Theo, in God. In God. Oh, I love that. That <laughs> is good. Very good. Okay. Well, today you, you also podcast, we should mention your podcast. So guys, you're already in the app, go get, uh, go get seek, go create. Right. So what are you trying to do with, with seek, go create? You know, with seek, go create uh, when I first started it, like probably some other podcasters, I just flipped on the mic and started recording. I'm hopefully, I don't think I'm the only guy that ever did that. No, nope. some people, but you know, I'm a business guy. I'm an entrepreneur. I consider myself in ministry. I'm a man of faith. We're nomads it really mashes a lot of that together. And what I really say, it's where, it's where leadership, business, ministry, and faith connect. Mm. And that's what we do at Seek, Go, Create. We, we, we interview format very similar to this. Every once in a while, there's a, something that I might teach or talk on, but we just do long form interview and we have a blast with it. I just want to talk to cool and interesting people with the uh, recorder going. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. I, that's actually my favorite part about podcasting is all the people you get to meet, right? All the stories you get to hear and uh, the, the just kind of way that that expands your view, you know, sometimes uh, having more experiences, even if they're not yours, you just get to hear them will help you. So that's, that's fantastic. So I love that intersection and it's good. Tim, I appreciate you sharing your story with us. I'm sure there's a lot more we could, we could go into and, and maybe sometime we will. Is there anything you want to leave us with? You know, I, I think the biggest thing that, I would want to say to, to anyone listening, especially on since we are in the faith arena, is always be working on your relationship with the Father. And and I I can't I, I don't think we could overemphasize that enough. It's not it's not as if we could do that too much. And and I think that the Lord arrested me during the struggles that we went through. And and the big byproduct of it is a deeper relationship. And listen, I'm always working on it, but uh, yeah. But I just really think, regardless of where you are right now, deeper relationship is what we all should be seeking and and going after and creating. <laughs> yeah, right. I couldn't agree more. I think that's what God wants with us. I think there's a there's a misnomer sometimes what he really wants is or that we think he wants righteous living or like those things are good but what he really wants is us he wants our heart uh, all over scripture i will be their god they will be my people and even when when his people like david who's called a man after god's own heart uh sins uh he's he's he takes care of that but he also uh you know repents and he turns his heart toward God. And I think that's what God wants most. Um, yeah. So and and what that. we have to do, just kind of one pile on there is, is Eric, I had an idol that I, I, I may or may not have realized it. Yeah. And so the deeper intimacy is also identifying anything that we might be putting before him. Yep. And, and we all have probably battled with something that's an idol. Yeah, one point or another. Get rid of those things, friends. Tear them down like Gideon tore down the idols on the hill. Oh, that's so important. 
Uh, Tim, thanks so much for sharing your story. I appreciate it. I uh, will be definitely rooting for you. And, uh, and I'm really glad you're here. Thanks a lot. 